Welcome to 52 Weeks of Health Equity. I'm Tahisha Timmons, and I will be your host today. And I have Sydney Butler here with me. Sydney, I would love if you could introduce yourself, talk about who you are, and why you're here with our <laughs> podcast. Yeah, so I'm, I go by Sydney Elaine Butler, um, or Sydney Butler, and I am the founder of Accessible Creates, a company where I help uh, other businesses be more accessible and inclusive, especially to people with disabilities, because there's a lot of barriers that they face in the workplace. And so I study HR at school and bringing those two passions of my lived experience of being disabled as well as HR to make the workplace better. That sounds like very important work. <laughs> And so when you talk about accessibility in the workplace, do you mm -hmm. mind going just a little deeper into mm -hmm. what are the type of things that you help um, uh, organizations with or workplaces with? Yeah, so I help organizations understand that they really have disabled talent and neurodivergent talent in the workplace. A lot of times companies right now are focusing on recruiting talent and also focus on that as well, but also telling them that, hey, you already have this talent in your workplace. It's how you have to better support them and talk about accommodation and accessibility in the workplace as, you know, how to break down those barriers and talking to them about the barriers that do exist for people with disabilities that exist in the workplace and how to start removing those barriers. Wow. Wow. And so I, I heard you talk a little bit about how this is probably a personal interest too, mm -hmm. but what drew you to the work? Like, why did you feel like I need to work with organizations or companies or mm -hmm. workplaces? Yeah, I think understanding that I think the organizations and work is such a uh, everyday practice and everyday, you know, we all do it and everyone deserves to have a very free work environment, but a lot of people don't know what that actually looks like. And so a lot of organizations, you know, they, a lot of times before the pandemic, organizations thought the people had to be a good fit for them, but the organization also has to be a good fit for the person. And so flipping that narrative. Wow. I love that you said prior to the pandemic, <laughs> organizations felt that people had to fit them, right? Mm -hmm. And so now uh, more organizations are looking at how they can be better engaged with their employees and potential perspectives. Mm -hmm. And so from a health perspective, what does it look like when people kind of feel like they have to fit? Is there mm -hmm. any reason why this would be a health issue? Like, it seems like mm -hmm. you should just go to work and do your job and, mm -hmm. you know, it's work. Like, why do you need to, to, why, why should they, you know? Yeah. If we, you know, you know, when you don't feel included, you don't feel like you belong. Yeah, like the case is that, you know, it's just a work, just a job, just to get money, you know, and that should be enough. But we know as human beings, we want fulfillment. We want to have passion in what we do. We want to feel included in everything we do. And we're such a huge part of our lives. And, you know, it takes such a toll on us. We enjoy the work we're doing. If we enjoy the company of what we're doing. And a lot of times people quit jobs because of other people or the, the politics, as people say, or managers. And so really understanding that, you know, the toxicity is, you know, that slowly breaks someone down and chips at them. And so it's important to have that culture of inclusive culture and actually be authentic with it. Yeah. And I noticed you mentioned authentic. And mm -hmm. so that seems to be a buzzword, right? Like mm -hmm. people bringing their authentic self and being able to fully feel fulfilled. Um, 
And we have seen that, you know, in in the U.S. and worldwide, Mm -hmm. we're kind of in a mental health crisis. Mm -hmm. And so do you feel like that's part of what you help with a little bit? Yeah, I think, you know, the employee well-being overall, you know, a lot of companies, like you said, authentic and mental health, I think is even being a buzzword right now, you know, and they don't really know what it means. You know, they're like, okay, is the job impacting your mental health in this the current climate? You know, it's still in a pandemic, you know, but we're still kind of out of it. Some people are wearing masks, some people aren't. And it's been a really interesting time right now and just being mindful that, you know, people's mental health and stress levels are high and all these different factors. And so just being mindful and being like, okay, if a person wants to bring the whole self to work and what parts of them do they want to bring to work, which parts do they want to show? Um, you know, what parts allow them to be more productive and allow for them to feel more safe and feel more valued at work. So um, you've talked a lot about uh, how, you know, this helps people with belonging, this helps organizations to support them. So what do you think are the biggest barriers that are out there um, when Mm -hmm. it comes to accessibility in the workplace? I think this seems with mental health, it's all comes back down to attitudinal barriers and the attitude. So how people perceive mental health, people, how people perceive accessibility and disability. You know, a lot of times people before the pandemic, people with accessibility, using a ramp, you know, having the access into the building, physical access, having accessible washrooms. And, you know, it's so, it's so much bigger than that. And really understanding that you and then also a lot of times, oh, I work with someone else that, you know, uses a wheelchair. I know how to accommodate you. Or, you know, I have a nephew. It's autistic, you know, and equating people's experiences, but we all have different experiences. We all have different things we experience in the day or in our lives that make us who we are. And so just being mindful of how we approach others. So you mentioned something when you were, when you were talking just then, um, that we almost have this like preconceived notion that Mm -hmm. we can apply uh, how we accommodated the last person we mm-hmm. ran into to the next person, right? So mm-hmm. that sounded sort of like what you were referring to. Mm-hmm. So do you help them to kind of individualize that concept around, um, you know, you may have someone who who is asking for an accommodation mm-hmm. or needs support and they don't, is that what you see? Like organizations just don't, don't know how to support yeah, they, 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 they don't know how to support that person. They, again, they refer back to the other person. You know, it's like, if it worked before, awesome, great, help that person. If it could potentially help this person have that conversation, but hey, this is what we did last time. Is this something you want to try? Is this, is, would this also work for you? But not just having that be the end all be all. Oh, we've done that before, just doing the same recycled accommodation instead of working with the individual and having the individual plan. Yes. And so um, it's so important because people are unique. But if I've accommodated someone Mm -hmm. with a neurodiversity before, why Mm -hmm. can't I just apply that to every single Mm -hmm. neurodiverse person? Um, That seems like easy. Like, Mm -hmm. I'll just make a plan Mm -hmm. and that's what I'll do. Is that... um, like, why is that not okay? To I think like you you can like try that and see if it does work, you know. But also, be don't get don't be like, oh, that should have worked because it worked last time, you know. That's that's where the issue comes in, you know. It's like okay, for example, if someone if ADHD, you know, working closely with them to work with deadlines and you know having that in place, it's like okay, or having even a lot of times having written instructions instead of verbal instructions. You know, because it's like you see it and people be able to refer to it later if you forget if you've been working on so many different tasks and you get 
overwhelmed and so referring to that later instead of just verbally saying you know then it's like okay what did they say again what were the specifics and then so if that works you know this this thing things that will work over and over again but also being mindful that it it's not one size fits all yeah that one size fits all and and it seems like um we shouldn't think in the one size fits mm -hmm. all manner when it comes to uh, supporting people at work. Is that more common than we than we think it is? Because like I often think like okay, um, you know, organizations are about uh, reflecting the uniqueness of their employees, but that probably isn't true. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Like yeah. It's, and is is it more expensive to do it that way? Like, is that why they don't do it? Like, it's it like a lot of time, I think when the, people think accommodation, they usually think medical accommodation and they kind of, and that, that could be quite pricey. Um, and, you know, but it's like most of the time, it's just reasonable accommodation. They cost, most accommodations cost nothing at all. You know, just modifying your job duties, you know, and just changing the way you do it, having the conversation, having the verbal having the instructions and the verbal instructions it's just little things but i think there's just still a stigma around accommodation and disability in the workplace and they think it's out oh, too expensive so so it's not expensive most of the times to accommodate mm -hmm. people um and so if it's not expensive to accommodate the mo it, it, mm -hmm. for the most part people who come asking for something why don't we in why don't we do it like why mm -hmm. don't we kind of have keep more people in the workplace versus mm -hmm. not like is it is it a um is it some type of unconscious bias that we have around disability i think it is some unconscious bias towards disability and again like i said the accommodation they think just think expensive when they hear that word just like accommodation like everyone's like what too expensive but then a lot of times they don't know that it can be so simple or a lot of times they think, you know, when you, someone gets injured at work, then that's a disability. They don't understand that people with disabilities actually went into the workplace. They're already in the workplace and that are doing their job. They just need a little bit more support sometimes. And I, and I noticed in the beginning, you mentioned you help them accommodate those who are already at work or just yes. kind of work through mm -hmm. the plan and the strategy, but also when people are coming into the workplace. Mm -hmm. So I will tell you that um, I have been a, a little fearful to put that I have a disability mm -hmm. on job applications because I'm afraid that they're going to not even mm -hmm. look at me as an employee. Do you do any work with the organization or do you do any work mm -hmm. in the community to kind of get rid of that one, the fear for the people applying and mm -hmm. then working with organ like groups to just better understand what disability could look like? Yeah, I, I do a lot of training around what the disability awareness, what is a disability? What does it look like? You know, a lot of times people, like there's so many visible disabilities too, you know, and so understanding that people are like, oh, I know what a disability when I see it. it's like, what, you know, we don't look disabled, but it's like, there's no one look to be disabled. And so what does it actually look like? What does it actually look like in a work setting, you know, working with them on the job postings, you know, to actually show that they are an accessible and inclusive employer. A lot of times, you know, employers are like, oh, see, we're accessible and inclusive, you know, just having that accommodation statement or they don't, you know, but it's not even fully saying that they accommodate the individual or how to go about accommodating the individual. And a lot of times the language that's being used on these job postings and job descriptions, they don't realize, and that's what I help with, using that more inclusive and using that plain language because, you know, sometimes you look at a job description and it must have, for example, 
my example I always use is driver's license. It's like, do they actually need a driver's license to, you know, do you need the driver's license? You actually have to drive around for your job, or is it just because they want you to have a reliable transportation way to get to work? There's other reliable ways to get to work, and a lot of times, like, oh, we just want them to have a good way to get to work and know that they can get here on time, get here efficiently. But it's like, if it's not essential for the job duties, it shouldn't be on there. Wow. And so I, I think you just called out something huge. If it's not essential for the job duties, it shouldn't be on there. Because the other thing is, I know that's like, I don't know if you've seen these, but like job postings where there's just so much information mm -hmm. in there. And like, it's almost like you're getting fatigue even reading mm -hmm. to figure out, well, what do I need to bring into yes. here? Um, and then the driver's license thing was interesting because I think I saw it was, um, it might have been even like a retailer that mm -hmm. said like must have a driver's license. And I thought to myself, like, why would you need a driver's license to mm -hmm. go work retail? And so that explanation of needing to have reliable transportation, like as a substitute for that, like do like I like that concept of like, what do you need <laughs> versus like, <laughs> mm -hmm. what do you dream of this? person you know mm -hmm. having and and maybe jargon like it sounds there's like, a lot you know, there's a lot of jargon industry jargon company jargon it's like we don't know what that means <laughs> it means something to you but that outsider doesn't know what it means it's, it's just confusing they can google it but and then you know it doesn't have the same context that you mean it in and it just becomes a mess <laughs> It, it sounds like it really does because, you know, we want to say that we're inclusive, mm -hmm. right? But we sometimes don't have the support. So it sounds like you provide that support to kind of walk through um, for, for groups and companies. Like this is the benefit. And so is there a benefit to having people in your uh, workplace who have, uh, you know, who have disabilities? Like what's, what's yeah. the benefit? A lot of times, you know, companies like, oh, if they have a disability, then, you know, they're not going to be, they're going to be late or they're going to be, you know, not show up. And it's actually the opposite, <laughs> you know, people, um, people with disabilities, they, they increases, I mean, decreases turnover, you know, works, goes to work more, more excited. <laughs> and all these, all these you things. just said it decreases turnover. How is that even like, is, so there's research out there saying yeah. that it decreases turnover. So then why... I, why are we not being more open to that? Like, th again, it goes back to the preconceived notion of people, that perception of disability is so ingrained in so many people's heads. And I think it's slowly being broken down, but you know, people are like, oh, people just, you know, they're sick all the time or they have all these complications and you know, it's not going to work. It's like, that's not the case, you know? And but yeah, showing the research and showing the findings and be like, no, and, and you know, also increases innovation, you know, for, you know, because having the different perspective and bringing that into the organization. And so a lot of times where people, still it goes back to the attitudes and that I talked about previously. It's all about the attitude and how people perceive disabilities. And this this, this is just a negative connotation. Even with the word disabled and disability, people are like, um, can we say it? Like, I don't know if we can say it. They think it's a bad word. Or when even when I say I'm like say the word like in my trainings, and then always the, one of the questions I get after, even though I say to say disabled in my presentation, they're like, people are like, are you sure I can say that? Because I remember before, you know, even just like ten years ago, you couldn't say the word disabled, and it's like we kind of you know right now things are changing so fast, and we're claiming that language, you know, and every language gets reclaimed, and then you know I say 
then, you know, a lot of times the word special needs is thrown around, you know, special, special education. And I'm like, don't say that. Like, what? That's what we've been saying. And it, it just, you know, the mind shift change and change the language. And then again, it goes back to the perceptions and how we've perceived for so long. I love that you talked about language because language, I think sometimes can be a barrier, right? Mm -hmm. Both from the side of like, you want to be inclusive and you want to be doing the right thing. And then em employers or, or work groups, mm -hmm. sometimes they're so cautious to mm -hmm. say the right thing that they get stuck, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's hard, like that becomes their barrier. And um, so it's almost like you're helping organizations to kind of build relationships where they can feel comfortable having trust. And so from, so from a health equity perspective, um, when we talk about equity and, and reducing mm -hmm. barriers and increasing access, having more people in the workplace what's the benefit it helps the, the company overall helps society you know different perspectives you know getting people different opportunities and really understanding that at the end of the day if the people want to work they, they should be able to work and and it's so interesting too because a lot of times with disability you know people are paid less than minimum wage or paid because they're like oh we just paid them We'll pay them wait, less. Wait, wait, How can we? How can they pay them less? They pay them. It's, they pay. They pay them less than minimum wage. Sometimes there's like, in some legislation, there's disabled. Wow, wow. So not only do so. So basically, you just said that dis disabled workers have less turnover. They there's higher you know, retention with them. Mm -hmm. um, so th it sounds like they're they're very loyal and committed. Mm -hmm. And then they get paid less. That sounds completely unfair because it costs mm -hmm. a lot to train people, right? It costs a lot to train people. And then also, I think like things are slowly changing right now. And then it's like not in every place they get paid less. But, you know, in some, a lot of places, you'd be surprised. You're like, what? How do they get paid less? And it's still the, the wage gap disparity. They're like, okay, well, we did the requirement. We can pay them less. And it, it's it's a whole mess. <laughs> it needs to be changed. The whole structure um, needs to be changed because... A lot of people, again, going back to the perceptions, it's like, okay, oh, but they just think we don't have a job, so we, therefore we can pay them less. One more time with that, because that was powerful, that what you just said, like, to be thankful to have a job, so they should be thankful we're mm -hmm. paying them less. Wow, that is an attitude, right? And we've seen that in other mm -hmm. uh, groups that, you know, are not considered the majority yeah. Um, that that people should just be grateful to be mm -hmm. in the workplace, to be around other people. That is such a powerful statement that you just said, Sydney. <laughs> wow, like that. See this with women too, right? Like yeah. that gender gendered pay uh, gap and barrier. And so, what happens then if so? What happens if you have intersections of different? Mm -hmm like is that is that even worse like it it's it's a whole the diversity equity inclusion there's so much work to be done because you know all the disparity and then you know people are like well if they get more then you know da, 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 so they should just be grateful for what they have but it's just like you know things are changing so fast right now that i keep saying and it's just being mindful it's like things are changing someone brings a whole stuff to work we all have intersectional identities no matter who we are you know and it's like disabled. I'm disabled, biracial, bisexual, like all these different things. I that's my whole identity and more. 
And so being mindful and, you know, a lot of people don't disclose that they have disability because, or, you know, unless, you know, you can't tell what looking at people sometimes. And so people try to hide their identities, be like, you know, to get that pay, just being mindful. Yeah. Like, and, and so that thankful piece, we've heard it over and over again. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, BIPOC people, Mm -hmm. black, uh, people of color, indigenous people should be thankful just to be in the workplace, right? Women should be thankful. The myth that, uh, we don't have expenses Mm -hmm. that we may not be the head of household, that we may not be the sole support for ourselves that, you know, allowing to be paid less. Um, I can see that as being like probably a real myth and and barrier mm-hmm. and bias that's out there. This belief that someone is probably helping with your bills or you're getting some subsidy mm-hmm. or like, you know, that you're not the sole source of support for yourself when you're in a group, right? That is mm-hmm. considered to be, um, you know, that we, that most individuals don't know a lot about or have a lot of, um, I'll even say empathy, empathy for. Yeah. Um, so, so it sounds like we need to be more emotionally intelligent too and yes. more empathetic um, to be able to see ourselves in those places. And so do you mainly work with HR groups and like the, those type of organizations you work with communities so I, I i help with like i mostly train hr professionals because that's when get my background but then i also you know I'll help any any company across any industry um like small to medium sized organizations startup companies are interested but they don't have the capital they only have that one person in that position um and, and then bigger companies traditional companies they have to go through more people you know the, the person i talk to they're all excited and want to bring you back and then the, there's three yeses and two no's and then they're kind of like mm. uh what do we do <laughs> and so i found that small to medium-sized organizations and you know training hr on this matter and i because i with hr too hr is usually the first impression a person gets at the company and how people perceive the company and so it's important that they they know what to do and you know how to break down those barriers and i remember one of my friends she's like you in hr right i was like yes and she you know she's also autistic and she was like one of the, I made a post and she, this HR lady was, you know, completely biased and they completely shut her down on her post and was like, no, you're lying. You know, you don't deserve to work, all these things. Oh my and God. I was like, what? You know, and so I think there's still that, that negative perception. I mean, An you, again, HR uh, person. Yes. HR and a lot, who we think should kind of know. Yeah. Okay. I love, but you don't, if you don't know, you don't know. That's a mm. huge issue with any area of diversity, equity, inclusion. You don't know what you don't know. And like you brought before, if I can bring back to that point when you were like how companies, they have this bias or they, they, you know, for anyone that's, you know, racialized or queer or disabled, and then they, they're, they don't want to say the wrong thing. Right. And so they don't say anything at all, basically. And it's like, they're like, I, I'm too scared to say anything. You know, I, I don't want to say the wrong thing, especially in this current climate, people are, the tensions are high, but I'm like, the worst thing you, you can say is nothing, you know? Just start learning and be be transparent. Hey, I'm learning right now. I've been trying this out. This is a give and take. Even like when you're accommodating someone with disability, and you know, and you're trying this new accommodation, or you're trying the other accommodation you tried before, be like, hey, you know, we know this is trying. We're learning alongside you, and just being transparent with your employees is very important. I'm gonna find out, mm-hmm. or you like, I'm gonna help you. Then just making something up or not answering me 
and like ignoring. Mm -hmm. so neurodiversity is very interesting because there's this thought that uh, autistic people, ADHD, appear mm -hmm. a certain way. Um, and that, you know, if they don't have those markers that we mm -hmm. associate so commonly with some diagnosis, then they're lying or they don't need accommodation. And have you run into that? Yeah, I, 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 last week I, I did a presentation to an HR conference for HR professionals. And, you know, they were like, they were listening and they're active and then they were like kind of like tuning out for a second. And so I was like, um, with perceptions of disability. So I was like, hey, you can't tell I'm autistic by looking at me. And they went, they were like, ha 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 ha, laughing. Cause they're like, you know, and I was like, no, I'm serious. And they're like, oh, cause like, you know, or I'm like, I'm not using my cane today. So you can't tell. And they're just like, what? Like, I, I kind of like shattered what their perceptions of someone with disability was. Like, they thought I was just someone talking about it. I'm like, no, I have that lived experience. That's why I'm so passionate about it for one. And then also, you know, shattering their, their preconceived notions. Because we always say like, be honest, be authentic, like show mm -hmm. your true self. And it does help for people to be able to see people in the workplace. But do you think people really hire when you put that on there? Because I often question mm -hmm. that myself as I've become more. I think right now it's so interesting. But I think it's like employers like, oh yeah, we're, you know, we're, we're diverse employer and all these different things and it's like I sometimes it's like sometimes it feels like they're doing for a quota you know and I'm trying to teach organizations that it's like if the person's qualified for the, for the job they want to do the job they apply for the job you know they have they tick all the boxes you know they should be able to have the job I love that that being willing to learn and so how can they find out more information about your group or more information about different services that are out there yeah, so you can um, follow me on LinkedIn at Cindy Elaine Butler or check out my website at accessiblecreates.ca. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us today, Sydney. This was fantastic. I hope the listeners learned uh, what they can do to, to assist and um, kind of like, you know, reduce barriers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we'll have stuff at the end for how to contact Sydney if you want to learn more about what she does. And once again, thanks so much for joining us on 52 Weeks of Health Equity. Thanks, Sydney.